I want you to hit me as hard as you can. His films have established him as the coolest cat in the world. His performances have established him as a true talent in Hollywood. And his fragrance of cologne helped establish me as the coolest kid in school, I think. Antonio Banderas quickly rose to fame and found himself a comfortable spot amongst the most respected of his thespian peers, taking on genres from all over the board and excelling in every single one. Action, drama, comedy, kids' movies, and whatever the f Madonna was doing. For a while, it seemed like Antonio was everywhere, taking over Tinseltown like it was nobody's business. But recently, we have been feeling like we've been seeing less and less of Antonio, and some of his projects have not exactly been true Banderas quality. Or maybe that's all in our heads and he's doing better than ever. Let's find out on the next episode of WTF Happened to That Celebrity. And today's celebrity is... Antonio Banderas. Yeah, what the f*** happened to him? Let's play. Before we begin, I want to take this time to say thank you. Please like, share, and subscribe. Make sure you click that notification bell to get those notifications. Now, back to the show. But to truly understand what the f*** happened to Antonio Banderas, we must start at the beginning of the beginning began when he was born on his birthday, 1960, somewhere in Spain. He grew up watching football until he broke his foot at the age of 15. His future in sports was shattered, so he turned to his other passion performing arts. His reputation on stage soon caught the eye of filmmaker Pedro Almodovar, who cast Banderas in his debut film, Labyrinth of Passion, in 1982. Antonio and Pedro would reunite several times over the next few years with films such as Matador, Law of Desire, and the critically acclaimed Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown in 1988. However, it was their next collaboration in 1990, Timey Up, Timey Down, that would finally garner Banderas' true international acclaim. In 1992, Banderas would make his English-language debut in The Mambo Kings, which due to his limited English, he had to learn his lines phonetically. How long before you give up your dream? That transition and dedication paid off as his performance was singled out by many reviews as the true highlight of the film. Antonio's star would begin to rise even more once he proved that he could hold his own alongside Hollywood's major A-listers. With a performance in the Oscar-winning Philadelphia, playing Tom Hanks' boyfriend, and Interview with a Vampire. And I'm not completely sure whose boyfriend he was in this one. With Antonio's strong yet subtle rise in Hollywood, 1995 would be his true breakout year in American cinema, when he was cast in Robert Rodriguez's Desperado. It was time for Robert Rodriguez to do his El Mariachi thing again, but this time with more money and a new leading man who has more of a, you know, a, a face for the screen. 
Banderas received much praise for his performance in this film, saying that his charisma carried this entire movie. But it was the box office receipts that really showed Hollywood that this guy could be a success as a leading man, making over $25 million on a $7 million budget. He would next appear in the Robert Rodriguez-directed segment The Misbehaviors of the anthology film Four Rooms. Then Banderas' action star cred got a bump again when he starred opposite Sylvester Stallone in the Richard Donner-directed film Assassins. It didn't make much money and critics didn't really care for it, but us regular peoples, when we saw Antonio alongside Stallone, we all knew that greatness was in Antonio's future. As long as you are out there, I'll never be number one. Next up in 1995 was the erotic thriller, Never Talk to Strangers. It bombed at the box office, and this was followed by another box office bomb, a screwball comedy called Too Much. In 1996, we would see Banderas again appear alongside Madonna, in the big screen adaptation of Evita. Banderas was cast as Che. He's the guy on the t-shirt. I'm sure this performance made Che very proud. She had her moments, she had some style. Of course, 1998 would prove to be a massive year for Antonio Banderas when he appeared as the iconic character of Zorro in The Mask of Zorro. Banderas secured his biggest payday yet, pocketing a cool $5 million. And yeah, this is one of the most exciting action-adventure films to come out from that era. And you know what? They just don't make movies like this anymore. Real action, real stunts. That's some swashbuckling stuff, if I do say so myself, and myself does say so. Banderas practiced with the Spain Olympic fencing team and his master swordsman trainer called Antonio the best natural talent he had ever worked with. Audiences loved this one and they would show up to the tune of 250 million buckaroos worldwide, making this Antonio's highest grossing live action film to date. This was the role that Antonio Banderas was born to play, and many attribute the success of this film to the chemistry between Antonio Banderas and Catherine Zeta-Jones, and everyone else that he shares a scene with. His performance in The Mask of Zorro would earn Antonio Banderas a Golden Globe nomination for his role as best actor in a musical or comedy, and this happened when people actually gave a f***ing f*** about the Golden Globes. Then in 1999, Banderas would pop up in a movie that was kind of directed by John McTiernan, The 13th Warrior. This Michael Crichton adaptation has gone down as a notorious bomb, losing millions and millions and millions of dollars. Antonio would follow that up with the comedy The White River Kid, a film that did not receive theatrical release. And he would appear opposite Woody Harrelson in a boxing buddy movie called Play It to the Bone. This film received mostly negative reviews, but of course he had some great chemistry with Woody. And of course, 1999 would be the year that Banderas would step behind the camera for the first time to direct his wife, 
at the time, Melanie Griffith, in Crazy in Alabama. Critics praised Melanie's performance, and Banderas would win the Alma Award for Outstanding Director. 2001, we would see Banderas in a thriller called The Body. It was intriguing, but it made less than $300,000. But Banderas would bounce back with his desperado director, Robert Rodriguez, appearing in his family-friendly film, Spy Kids, in 2001, playing the father of these kids who are doing some spying. Spy Kids received overwhelmingly positive reviews, with critics calling it an intelligent family film. It made close to $150 million, with Antonio Banderas receiving a nomination at the Kids' Choice Awards. Very prestigious. Then he would star opposite Angelina Jolie in an overly melodramatic, sexy time thriller called Original Sin. But Angelina and Antonio's sexiness could not save them this time. Original Sin was yet another low-rated film for Banderas. Then he would team up with one of the greatest directors of all time, Brian De Palma. In the film, Femme Fatale, Roger Ebert praised this film, calling it one of De Palma's best. However, others disagreed, and the Stinker's Bad Movie Awards nominated De Palma for Worst Director, and audiences didn't show up either. So I don't know, is this a good movie or is it a bad movie? I don't know. Fuck you. Up next, he would be in another massive bomb. Ballistic. X versus Sever. The film had been in development since the 80s, but then The Matrix came out and everyone was like, oh, we should probably get around to making this thing and make it all Matrixy. And the results of that half-assed attitude led to a rare 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. And it was rated number one on their worst movies ever made list. Ballistic X vs. Sever cost like $70 million and couldn't even make $20 million back. Ballistic X vs. Sever. It's like the worst title ever. We're the best. After making a horrible, notorious bomb, it always helps to retreat back to familiar territory. As Banderas did with Spy Kids 2, The Island of Lost Dreams. And once again, this Spy Kids film received mostly positive reviews. Then he would be in the Academy Award-winning biopic Frida. He didn't play Frida, though. 2003 would give us a one-two punch of Banderas and Robert Rodriguez action. First off, he had a cameo in Spy Kids 3D Game Over, followed by a more R-rated return to the role that truly made him a star. El Mariachi. In the film Once Upon a Time in Mexico, critics found the stylized violence to be fun and entertaining. Once Upon a Time in Mexico earned almost $100 million worldwide. He would next appear in the historical drama Imagining Argentina in 2003. Even though this film did not receive a traditional theatrical release, it was critically praised, even winning the Golden Lion Award at the Venice Film Festival. But Banderas' most notable output of 2003 would not be on the big screen, but the smaller screen on HBO, when he starred in a film that's called, and starring Pancho Villa as himself, where Antonio Banderas would play Pancho Villa as Pancho Villa himself. He would receive a Golden Globe and Emmy nomination 
for best lead in a television movie. And boy howdy did Antonio Banderas deserve it. Playing such a historical character as Pancho Villa is a true monumental task to take on, and he made it look easy. I'm sure this performance made Pancho very proud. Pero al final, he salvado la vida de mi amado México. Then there was Shrek 2, which was Antonio Banderas' highest grossing film to date, with 928.7 million buckaroos. Antonio Banderas would join this sequel as the instant fan-favorite character, Puss in Boots. Nothing could be more perfect than Antonio Banderas as Puss in Boots. Antonio Banderas would lend his talented vocals to both the English and the Spanish language versions of the films, because he can speak both of them. Critics overwhelmingly enjoyed this sequel, saying that the addition of the great secondary characters made the film a true winner. Antonio Banderas would be nominated for Best Voice Acting in an Animated Feature at the Annie Awards, as well as Best Comedic Performance at the MTV Movie Awards. And yeah, I'm not even exaggerating here. This is probably one of the greatest animated voice performances ever. He turns this character into somewhat of a spoof of Zorro, while also being its own thing and still honoring the legend of Zorro. Speaking of Zorro, he would then return to that swashbuckling world for a sequel called The Legend of Zorro in 2005. And as much as I wanted a Zorro sequel, the timing of this one just felt off. It was a few years too late, but it still managed to make a profit, and money is always good, but it failed to match the critical and commercial success of the original, thus canceling any future plans they had for more sequels. Ooh. Then in 2006, Antonio Banderas would take the lead in a movie called Take the Lead. The film was not a massive success, but those critics said that Antonio was charismatic and excellent. 2007, Antonio Banderas would star opposite J-Lo in the box office bomb Border Town. Critics said that this film failed at everything it set out to do. Diaz, listen to me. No, I won't listen to you. And I won't let you take this risk. If anything happened to you, I will, I will never forgive myself. But of course, all of those bombs would quickly be forgotten when Banderas put on his boots again, as Puss in Boots, in Shrek the Third, and would eventually go on to make over $800 million. He would then appear in a string of forgettable duds. Films like My Mom's New Boyfriend, and The Other Man, and a direct-to-video film called Thick as Thieves. So what do you do when you have a few lackluster films in a row? Well, you return to the role that made billions. And that's exactly what Antonio Banderas did when he appeared yet again as Puss in Boots in Shrek Forever After. It's the fourth one. This one has its moments, but is ultimately a cheap rehash of the previous films. However, audiences still gave them all of their money, and this one made like 750 million. Cause Shrek. Next on his docket would be an uneven film directed by Woody Allen. And it was called You Will Meet a Tall Dark Stranger. 
followed by back-to-back direct-to-video titles such as The Big Bang and The Day of the Falcon, also called Black Gold. Then he would reunite with director Pedro Almodovar 21 years after their last collaboration for the brilliant film The Skin I Live In. The film would be nominated for several awards including Best Foreign Language Film at the Golden Globes, when those mattered, and yes, it was wonderful to see this actor-director team up once again, proving that they both still gots it. Banderas would close out the year 2011 by getting his very own spin-off film, Puss in Boots. Playing the character of Puss, this animated adventure was originally intended to be a direct-to-video release, but then the studio realized that they had something special on their hands and shot it out to theaters where critics praised it for its wit and charm and imagination. The Academy Awards would also recognize Puss in Boots and nominate it for Best Animated Feature, while audiences showed up to a tune of 555 million worldwide. So yeah, this puss in those boots, they were made for walking all over you and the box office. Then he would work with Steven Soderbergh in the film Haywire, alongside the cancelled Gina Carano. He would next be seen in the indie darling Ruby Sparks in 2012. Critics said that this film was wonderfully acted and had a clever script. Both of those things are good things. Then Antonio Banderas would cameo in films by his friends, like Pedro Almodovar's film I'm So Excited and Robert Rodriguez's Machete Kills. He would also produce and star in a cliched sci-fi film called Automata, a film that was released direct-to-video in North America. And then Antonio Banderas' phone rang, and on the other end was Sylvester Stallone, who invited Banderas to be a part of the sequel to Expendables 2 called Expendables 3. This PG-13 Expendables movie received lackluster reviews from the critics, who said that the franchise had grown stale. Yet audiences would still show up to this one making over 214 million, and we kind of have to admit that Antonio Banderas is the highlight of Expendables 3, and that Antonio fits perfectly into this ragtag team of aging heroes. I'm so happy! Barney, thank you. Yes. Oh, no, 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 no hugs, no. No hugs, no hugs, no hugs, no, 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 no. Then he would kick off 2015 by playing Burger Beard in the SpongeBob movie, Sponge Out of Water. For some reason, this thing made $325 million. As we know, Antonio Banderas likes to work with acclaimed directors, so he went out and worked with Terrence Malick and made a Terrence Malick film that unfortunately failed to connect with, uh, you know, anybody. It was called Knight of Cups. And this Terrence Malick film is such a Terrence Malick film. Then came The 33, but unfortunately this fascinating true-life tale was a financial failure. Then Antonio Banderas decided to just do the quantity over quality thing, as he just started pumping out direct-to-video duds. First up there would be Finding Altamira, then Black Butterfly, Gunshy, Security, Acts of Vengeance, there was also the biopic The Music of Silence, and Life Itself, 
from the This Is Us creator. Critics did not like this schmaltzy melodrama, saying that the film treats its audience like it's stupid. And Bullethead, which I actually really like, it's a, it's a decent killer dog crime flick. And while Antonio Banderas was suffering from less than stellar heartbreaking flops, he was also suffering from a less than stellar heartbreaking heart attack. That's right, we almost lost our Antonio, but his girlfriend's quick thinking saved his life, as she soon got him the medical treatment he needed. Antonio calls his heart attack a miracle and a blessing. It helped him see what was really important in life, like his family, his friends, and even his love of acting and storytelling. Antonio was a changed man, more in touch with his feelings, more vulnerable, yet still a badass. And his good buddy director Pedro Almodovar saw this change in Antonio and told him to embrace all of his pain and all of his glory for his next character in his next film, Pain and Glory, a role that the director wrote as a representation of himself. Antonio as Pedro. You can always count on director Pedro to pull you right out of that directed DVD bin at Walmart. Critics absolutely loved Pain and Glory, calling it one of Almodovar's best with unanimous praise for Banderas's transformative performance. The award circuit would agree with all those critics as Antonio Banderas would go on to win Best Actor at the Cannes Film Festival, as well as receiving nominations from a ton of other award shows things including his first ever Academy Award nomination for Best Actor. And with all of that praise, the film managed to quadruple its budget. So yeah, Antonio Banderas was back, baby. And like I said, Antonio was playing a representation of the director himself, even wearing the director's clothes. He was being directed by the character he's playing. And these two right here, Pedro and Antonio, have one of the best actor-director collaborations of all time, with many brilliant films spanning decades. And it is truly pitch-perfect casting to have Antonio portray the artist who helped launch his amazing career. Genius. Speaking of geniuses, he would also have a resurgence on TV playing Pablo Picasso in the second season of the National Geographic series Genius, and of course he would receive several nominations, including Best Actor at the Emmys and the Screen Actors Guild, SAG. Who asked for my paintings? Do you think I paint them for you? Who do you think an artist is? An idiot who paints to decorate the walls of museums? He would next team up with Steven Soderbergh again in The Laundromat, a film that received a limited theatrical run before being dumped on Netflix. Critics called this one confusing and unfocused and a waste of talent, while the Venice Film Festival nominated it for their Golden Lion Award. So, uh, yeah, different strokes for different folks, I guess. Is this movie good or bad? I don't know. Then came the year 2020, and Antonio would appear in Doolittle, the Robert Downey Jr. one. And yeah, Doolittle fails at every level of everything it's trying to do. 
Then in 2021, we would see Antonio Banderas appear as the bad guy in the action comedy sequel, The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, and it did okay, but was ultimately a disappointment. But the future is very bright for Antonio Banderas. Surviving a heart attack and getting an Oscar nomination has given his career the much-needed shot of adrenaline that it needed, because he's got some really highly anticipated films coming up, like Uncharted, and he's gonna be in a new Indiana Jones movie, and there's talks of a Puss in Boots sequel, and who knows, maybe Quentin Tarantino will one day get around to adapting his Zorro Django comic for the big screen. That would be awesome. Antonio Banderas has made a name that demands respect. Simply just pronouncing it cannot be done flippantly. It must be said with reverence. Let's all say it together, everybody. Come on. Antonio Banderas. Just travels up your spine as you say it. Once more, Antonio Banderas. I get the shivers. The good kind. <laughs> it takes a special kind of actor to take on so many characters that are already in the zeitgeist of pop culture and history. And you know what? He makes those characters his own, while still remaining true to the original vision. He is able to completely transform the way we think of those characters and make his interpretation of them the definitive versions. You know, Puss and Boots is Antonio Banderas now, and Zorro is Antonio Banderas, and Pancho Villa, and Che, and Picasso, they are Antonio Banderas. When you think of all those characters and people, you think of Antonio Banderas, whether you realize it or not. For a little bit, it seemed like Antonio Banderas had gone down the rabbit hole that many stars go down, direct a video. But after a life-threatening heart attack, he came bouncing back with a vengeance. And his career has taken flight yet again. Antonio Banderas truly is a unique talent that you cannot help but love to see on the big screen. And I cannot wait to see what he does next. So nobody should give a fuck about what the fuck happened to Antonio Banderas. Because he's doing just fine. Thank you for watching our show. If you like what you see, please subscribe to our Joe Blow Videos channel. Tell your friends who like this sort of content and turn on the bell to receive notifications for all of our latest videos. We're an independent company and we appreciate all your support.